I wanted to start off by saying it is just so amazing. Um, I'm so thankful for the opportunity uh, for myself and the, the group from Huntsville to be able to join y'all and be here with y'all this weekend. And uh, hopefully you are too. Um, I found something really funny that happened um, starting the first night that we were here. And uh, just about every time we've come into this room, um, I've run into a few people. And uh, there have been some brief comments made where um, they say something either to me or to someone else, and I hear it in passing. Man, there's so many people in here. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, uh, this may have been a little rude or whatnot, but sometimes, if they, even if they weren't talking to me, I just kind of butt in and be like, I know, isn't it great? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, the funny thing is, uh, a few of those times, I'll admit to you, I was actually just trying to be funny, you know, just to be funny. But then I sat and I reflected on it back, and I think um, whether that meant anything to the people that I shared that with, uh, it definitely hit me in a special way because I thought about it and I was like, yeah, isn't that great? Isn't that great? When you think about all of the stories, all of the people in here, and whether we know each other or not, that there is one central thing, one central person that connects us all and is the reason why we're here, and that he is the reason behind why we all are in this room. And uh, if that is not a great thing for you, and that is not something that gets you excited and brings you joy, then I don't know. I think maybe we're missing it. So, but uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, our keynote speaker that we have this morning, I'm sure many of you all know him. Uh, I definitely know him, and I uh, have had the pleasure um, of having him impact my life um, in uh, one of the best ways, the greatest ways that I think a person can, that we can in any, anybody's life, in each other's lives. And um, that is that, uh, so it's Mackie Shed, if you guys haven't figured it out. <laughs> but uh, I met, <laughs> before, uh, before Mackie and his family um, moved up here to uh, Missouri, uh, I had the chance to meet him uh, at the congregation as a part of the campus ministry, uh, CSO, that he was heading during that time down there. And uh, I was one of the students uh, back over a decade ago that uh, he ran into <laughs> on my campus. And uh, I just remember myself, like a lot of other people, uh, by the way, the campus is Alabama A&M in Huntsville. And um, <laughs> if you guys aren't familiar with that campus, it's, uh, it's a predominantly black uh, institution. So it's a lot, a lot, a lot of um, black people and, and, and minority students that are there. And so I know, um, Again, just to be transparent with you guys, myself, like a lot of other people, when I first saw him and, <laughs> and he came up, I'm thinking, are you, are you lost? <laughs> but um, long, long story short, uh, and again, for those of you that have had a chance to meet Mackie and spend time around him, I'm sure this is not new news to you, but I just love the fact that um, Mackie is not intimidated by any of those things, and he doesn't allow any of those physical barriers that so often so many of us allow to get in the way of what's truly most important. And I'm so thankful that um, years back that when he had the opportunity to meet me and to reach me and to reach a number of other students, um, and since that time, that he has continued to not allow that to get in the way. But he's allowed the most important thing, which is Jesus, to be upheld. And so... Um, I just want to thank Mackie for that, and, um, you know, the cool thing is that Mackie loves Jesus, he, he loves his family, and he loves the lost, and I've seen that, um, I think many other people have seen that, and whether that's been working alongside him in the campus ministry, whether that's been um, sharing the gospel with him overseas in a third world country, or just being able to be invited 
to go along with him day to day and watch him and watch his family through the ups, through the downs, through the good, through the bad, and the ugly <laughs> sometimes. Um, it's just amazing to be able to be able to share those experiences with him and during that time to see him share Jesus the best way that, uh, that he's able to. And so without further ado, um, Mackie, if you can come up, I'll go ahead and uh, pray for you and I'll turn it over. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much uh, for you and for your unfailing love and grace that reaches me, it reaches us all wherever we are. And I thank you, Father, that you have brought us all um, through whatever journey, um, through whatever ups and downs that we've been through, that you've brought us to this point. And um, while it's been great to be able to um, have fun and be able to share smiles with each other and uh, even sing songs like we just did a few minutes ago, um, Father, help us to, to not miss the point. Help us to not miss you and miss what all of that, all of this is truly about. And not only this, Father, and this weekend, but really what our entire lives that you give us should be about. Father, I pray that uh, as Mackie gets ready to speak, that um, as you have in many times in the past, that once again you will, uh, you will use your servant mightily, and that you will give him the wisdom and the humility um, that he needs uh, to present not what he wants and what we want, but, Father, what you want and what you have for us here. And I pray for us that as you use him and you use your word in that way, um, that also, Father, you will open our hearts and you'll focus our minds that when that is laid out there through him by you, that we'll be able to receive it, we'll be able to take it in, and notably as you desire, Father, to be changed and transformed by it into you, the people that you call us to be, into the image of your son. And not only that, but that as that happens, Father, we can then go out, and as we're being changed and compelled by your love, we can invite others to do the same. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Here we go. All right. Good morning. Let's try that again. All right. Roll Tide. Whoever said that? I don't know. Yeah. We lost, but we're still rolling. It's all right. Get it out your system. Laugh. Have your fun. We'll be back next year. I've been going through my head um, about five different directions, and I'm still not sure what I'm going to do here. But I was, assigned, I was assigned the topic of kings and prophets and people as it relates to pride and humility. And I'm just thanking God because when I, first, when I first heard that that was my topic, I was like, geez, thanks guys, whoever assigned me the pride class or the pride <laughs> keynote. And I'm thanking God it's a keynote because you have to be here for that. You don't have to choose to come to the pride class. See, the, pro the problem with pride is it's a sneaky sin, right? And all the people that need to hear it tend to be the ones that say, I don't have any problem, and so I won't go to that class, so I'm just grateful. The more I thought about it, I was like, man, this is a keynote. And so they've all got to listen, whether they like it or not. And the good news that I discovered in my 
many, many, many hours of research for this sermon. I probably put more hours into this sermon, okay, than I have in a very long time. And it's not, I don't know that you'll necessarily see the results of that, okay, because most of that preparation time, honestly, was just letting God pour into me and instruct and teach me on the subject of pride and humility. And so I, I found myself many hours, days into the preparation of this sermon without getting a single pen to paper. If that means anything to some of you who prepare lessons, okay, I couldn't even put pen to paper for days because I wasn't ready to teach the lesson. And so I want to invite you all to do something because in my research, in my study, you know, I kind of did a self-evaluation of myself, you know, on the front end. And then I did the same evaluation of myself on the back end after studying through this. And I came to two very different answers, okay? When I evaluated my level of pride on the front end, it was a very kind of a good score, okay? And by the end of this, you know, I'm just not sure. Um, So what I want us to do is I want us to all humble ourselves for a moment, just in a small way. And I know this isn't practical. As I look around in this this cramped room, I know this isn't going to be practical at all, but I think God will smile at us trying to make it happen. And so I'm in charge right now, so I'm going to say, <laughs> let's, um, let's get on our knees. Can we do that together? Yeah, if you only have one, that'll be fine, sir. He's the one that started it. I didn't do that on my own. (laughs) Do me one more favor. While we're on our knees, you don't have to do it out loud, but just internally, I want you to get to a place where you can just say to God that God, maybe I'm like Mackie was at the beginning of this journey that we're about to take together. Maybe I'm not so sure that I've even got a pride problem, or if I do, maybe it's not that big of one. But can you just ask God that if you're wrong, that he would make that evident to you this morning? Take a moment and do that with God. God, I... um, I want to pray on behalf of all of us, me foremost. I'm thankful for being assigned this topic. I'm thankful for the time that I was able to spend in your word and the time I was able to just spend with you reflecting on pride in my own life and the life of those that, that I love and that I minister with and to. And God, thank you for that time, and thank you for what you've revealed. I pray that you help me share some of that conviction and some of that, that longing that you've placed in my heart to, to make this better, to make this right. 
And I pray for hearts in this room, Father, that you will do what only you can do, and that is soften them and open them wide to receive your message. Help this keynote not have anything to do with me or anyone in this room. Help it all be about you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you all for doing that. Technical question, Mr. Hernando. Matt, will this show me what I'm looking at, or do I have to keep turning around? Okay. That's all right. Prophets and kings, pride and humility. That's our topic for the morning. Um, Isaiah, and this is why I wanted to go to the Father on our knees, because I want you to feel the power and the weight of this this prophetic message coming from one of our major prophets, Isaiah, one of the most messianic prophets that we have. It's all about Jesus. He's foretelling the coming Christ over and over and over again. And here's what he says that should drive us to our knees. And if it's real enough to us, it should make us tremble. Isaiah says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, and say that part with me, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. You know, something occurred to me, guys. It's like, can you get this picture of God in your mind? That He is not just any God. He's not just this small God, but He inhabits eternity. And another thing occurred to me, I've known, I know his name is holy, but something that occurred to me is you know that people can't even use his name in a curse word without in some small way, in some twisted way, acknowledging how great his name is. I mean, nobody goes and stumps their toe and goes, Buddha, you know? It doesn't happen. So even when we're screwing up and we're saying it the wrong way in vain, we're still saying His name. He inhabits eternity. His name is great. It is greater than any name. And it's the only name by which we can be saved. Do you feel the weight of what Isaiah is saying? He goes on and he says, I dwell in the high and holy place. This is God speaking here through Isaiah. I dwell in the high and holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. I don't think it was a coincidence whoever chose the song that was right before this lesson. Do you remember? Dry bones. Revive. Come alive. I pray that, man, some of y'all have gotten dry. Some of y'all are weary. And you've lost focus. And so I pray, man, that a, even a lesson on pride of all things that you may not think is what you need to hear, but I can guarantee you it is. And I hope by the end of this you agree. And it blows your mind the way that it has mine. I pray that your heart will be revived. That we will be the ones that dwell in eternity, that inhabit eternity with Him because our spirits have been revived, because we are lowly and contrite, which is the opposite of prideful. 
got to have some comic relief, man. This is intense. Run out of energy up here on the first two scriptures. <laughs> Muhammad Ali, known for saying, I am the greatest. A model in a lot of ways for pride and arrogance. So many of our athletes, that's their story. It's all about them. It's all about what they have accomplished and what they can do to you on the court or on the field. It's all about them. Muhammad Ali one day got on a 747 jet airplane. And he was relaxing and they were taxiing on the run, down to the runway, getting ready to take off. They're taxiing. And so you know the stewardesses. Y'all, who's flown before? Has everybody flown before? If you haven't, what happens is while you're taxiing to the runway... The stewardesses will come through the aisles and they'll make sure of a few things. That your seat is upright, which makes zero sense to me. What does it matter if I'm reclined when we take off? Does anyone know the answer to that? That's ridiculous. But, I digress. They also make sure your seatbelt is buckled. Well, Mr. Muhammad Ali didn't have a seatbelt buckled. So the... The stewardess politely asked him, he said, sir, you need to buckle your seatbelt. He goes, you know who I am? I'm Superman. She goes, well, hello, hello, Superman, good to meet you. But you know, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. He also doesn't need a plane. Put your seatbelt on. (laughs) I love that stewardess. You may not need a seatbelt, but if you're Superman, you don't need an airplane either. And I love the stewardess, why? Because she confronted of all people, famous, Muhammad Ali. And she confronted his pride. And we need some people like that stewardess that can see the pride in us and challenge it. And call us out and tell us we're not really Superman. Jonathan Edwards, a very fiery preacher, okay? Uh, if, any, if anybody read him before, read his famous sermons, okay, all right, very good, a few. Well, you're going to get a little taste. He says, remember that pride is the worst viper. It's a snake that is in the heart, the greatest disturber of the soul's peace and sweet communion with Christ. It was the first sin that ever was and lies lowest in the foundation of Satan's whole building and is the most difficultly rooted out, and is the most hidden, secret, and deceitful of all lusts, and often creeps in, insensibly, into the midst of religion, and sometimes under the disguise of humility. Catch the last part? Pride can show up disguised as humility, and I think he's absolutely right. In fact, I would venture to guess that some of you got down on your knees a moment ago, not in humility, but in pride. Let me explain. You see, some of you went with me. Some of you went with me to that place, and you were genuinely asking God, and in humility you were saying, God, let this be a sign. I hope you're smiling at my bowing down, and God... Please do something powerfully in me this morning. Some of you went there. The rest, some of you others, 
just didn't want to stand out and look funny by being the only one not kneeling. And so it wasn't out of humility before God. It was out of a concern of what others would think. That's called pride disguised as humility. We do so many things like that. We are a complex set of creatures, okay? And we have to always not just look at the ritual like Robert talked about because the ritual can be empty unless the motive and the heart behind it are right and in line with the will of God. Say amen when you can. Here's another quote by one of my favorite guys, C.S. Lewis. And he says, unchastity, ugh, nasty sin, right? Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. See, I don't know if you can fully appreciate the, the gravity and the weight of the sin of pride and the danger in pride. See, it's, it's almost, at least for me, guys, I'm like, yeah, I'm prideful from time to time. As, as, as like that was just a, a flippant thing. But what if I just go, yeah, I'm adulterous from time to time on my wife. And just said it in passing? Do you see what I'm getting at, guys? How do we make pride, which is so huge, such a big deal, how do we make it so small and pretend like it's just not something worth talking about and that we don't talk about all that often? Maybe I'm just talking to myself, but I know this has been the case for me. Somebody comes up and confesses that they have you know, done, been, gotten drunk. And I say, whoa, I'm not sure if you can be in leadership for a while. Right? But someone says, I've been prideful this week. And I go, well, let's pray about that, man. You'll be good. What? I think we need to step back and we really need to think and process what is pride? What is the danger? What is the risk? How big a deal is it? And is it in my life? And if it is, and it is a big deal, then what am I going to do to get rid of it? Because I really believe what these guys say. This isn't scripture that we've read the last two slides, but I think you're going to see what they're saying supported in the scriptures that are coming. That pride is a very big deal. And it leads and is really at the core of so many sins that we would make a big deal out of. So let's, let's move on. Here's another one. Do you know that pride is the number one listed under God's seven, quote-unquote, seven deadly sins? There in Proverbs 6, go look at it. The first one is rooted in pride. According to G.K. Chesterton, pride is the ultimate human evil. It is the last insult to God. It is the sin that denies sin. Think about that. It means failing in self-criticism and abounding or excelling in self-praise. And Chesterton says that if 
he had only one sermon to preach, it would be a sermon against pride. Think about that. This is not just any dude, okay? This is a well-respected, well-thought Christian man who says, man, if I had one sermon that I knew I could only preach one, and it was all they were ever going to get to hear from me, it would be on what we're talking about this morning. That makes me tremble, man. That I'm up here, I'm not worthy really to talk about this subject. It's so critical. The more I see of existence, the more I'm convinced that all evil began with some attempt at superiority. Pride is a, po is a poisoning, so very poisonous, that it not only poisons the virtues, it even poisons the other vices or sins, makes them more deadly, more potent, more dangerous. Here's some scripture, in case you're tired of just hearing these opinions of man. There are some perils of pride, and I want you to write these down. I think there's about six of these. I didn't count them, maybe it's seven. But Proverbs 16, verse 5 in the New American Standard Bible says, Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Is that serious? Those who are proud in heart, it doesn't say God frowns at. He says they are an abomination to the Lord. The NIV says it this way, the same verse. It says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. A lot of you are like, man, that's deep. That's strict. That's harsh, man. This is a big deal. And some of you are like, I'm sure glad I don't struggle with it. We're going to get to you in a minute. <laughs> Proverbs 11, verse 2 in the ESV says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. There's another peril. You see, when you engage in pride and you allow it to take a hold in your life, here comes disgrace. Here comes shame and this multitude of nasty, vile things that are going to do nothing but cause havoc in your life and never enable you to enjoy the blessings that God has for you. These prevent those from coming. Proverbs 26, 12 in the CEV says, There is more hope for a fool than for someone who says, I'm really smart. Let me tell you a funny thing that I, I, in the research of this topic, I ran into on a dating website of all places. I just found the line, and then it went to a dating website, and I was like, oh, man, that makes this even better. But can you believe that th the comment I'm about to tell you was on a website, a dating website, where they ask all this litany of questions, right, to make sure they know who you are and match you up perfectly with the next person. Well, this was under the guys questions, okay? And it was the number that stood out 
more than any other. I think the same question was posed to the ladies, but their number just didn't stand out like the guys did. Two out of five guys, almost half, answered in the affirmative to this question. Are you, would you I'm sorry, would you consider yourself a genius? <laughs> Two out of five said yes. If you're going to nail me down on it, you're going to force me into a corner, I'm a genius. Okay? And I love the way the assessment of this on the website, because they were making fun of these guys, and it is, you should make fun of that. It's ridiculous. Do you know the real answer? Scientifically, right, the real statistic of how many geniuses are on the planet in just the male population? It's more like one out of a thousand. So I love the way that they assessed this. They said two out of five men believe they're one out of a thousand. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. And I wonder how many of you in here just think you got it going on upstairs. Some of y'all think you're pretty quick, pretty witty, pretty smart. What does the scripture say about that? He says there's more hope for a fool than someone who thinks he's really smart. You know some fools, don't you? Don't call them that. Jesus said don't do that. But, I mean, you know that they're fools, right? And they got more hope than if you say, I'm really smart. Pride is no joke. And God does not play games with it. Listen to this. Proverbs 13.10 in the Living Bible says, Pride leads to arguments. One translation says it always leads to arguments. <clears throat> Be humble, take advice, and become wise. How many of y'all have been in an argument this weekend? <clears throat> Do you know what the likelihood of pride being the reason for that was? You say, no, 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 it was them. They were just, they were just poking my buttons, you know. Let me inform y'all. You don't have buttons. You're not robots. You're not. There exists no button on the human body, except maybe the belly button. But if you push it, you ain't going to get nothing more than a little Pillsbury Doughboy laugh, right? That's all you're getting. You don't have buttons. You don't have the right to say, you made me do this. The devil made me do it. Or my wife made me do it. My girlfriend made me do it. You don't have that. We don't have buttons. You are a free will agent that makes your own choices. That's why Jesus can give commands like if they hit you on one side, give them the other one and say, put some stank on it. That's not what he said, but I'm just saying. You know he said, turn the other cheek. <clears throat> if you had buttons, his commandment would be ridiculous. But you don't have buttons and so you have a choice and so someone hits you or mistreats you or does something wrong or takes away your rights... You still have a choice. You're in control of your behavior. Could someone please give me some water? I'm going to continue. Some of y'all have heard Burger King's slogan that was their slogan, for, I think, for the last 40, 50 years, okay? It was the same one. Who knows what it is? Your way, right away. Seriously, y'all don't know that? Thank you, brother. 
They've changed it. This is the new one. It's have it your way. Listen to what this says. This was actually in place on the platters. You know those little trays when you eat in? They put those little pieces of paper on there like placemats. This is the placemat, the real placemat that was on trays that maybe you never noticed. But listen to this. You see, not only is pride a serious problem, but our culture supports it. In fact, it promotes it. Burger King says, you have the right to have what you want, exactly when you want it, because on the menu of life, you're today's special. And tomorrow's, and the day after that, and well, you get the drift. Yes, that's right. We may be the king, but you, my friend, are the almighty ruler. Well, Burger King. Wow. That's just not what God says. Not even close. <clears throat> Do you know this is a thing? I mean, it's a real thing. There's research being done. There's studies being done to, to look at the effects of the, the text, um, not the text, the selfie phenomena. 90 million selfies are taken every day. Google reports, and this is an old report, so it's going to be higher now. Google reported 24 billion selfies have been uploaded to this point. Nearly 300 selfie deaths have happened in the last six years. Did you even know that was a thing? There are selfie deaths. You're just like, no, it's not how it worked. <laughs> They're doing it like in dangerous places, right? Either with wild animals that are going to kill them or like on a waterfall and they go, oh, you know, and they're done. I wonder if they took it on the way down just so they could capture the moment. Sad, huh? Listen, guys, I'm here to tell you, you need to be like T-Rexes and suck it up and just realize you're not made for selfies. It will damage your brain. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to just help further this pride problem because you're saying, look at me in front of this thing. Yeah, I went there. Isn't that cool? Don't I deserve some likes? It's all rooted in pride. Now, I know some of y'all do that innocently enough and, and few and far between, you know, you're not doing it like all the time, but some of y'all are. Some of y'all are obsessed with yourself. That's bad. That will lead to a complex, a syndrome. Look at this. Here's some of the death um, selfies. I don't know if these people actually die, but this is the kind of thing they must be doing when they're dying, right? They're violating the sign. Danger, warning, don't go near the sea. Well, where are they? They're like in the middle of the sea, taking a selfie, getting ready to get washed away. Here's a guy with a cobra. Hey, watch this. Look at me, Mom. Bit in the neck. Dead from a selfie. This one, I don't even like looking at, frankly. I mean, I don't mind heights so much, but when I look at that, that makes like something happen inside me. I don't know. Does that mess with y'all like that? Whew. It's like a, a built-in response. I don't know. That happens to me. These guys are crazy. I don't know why I point that. That guy's even more nuts. That's even scarier. 
And this guy is not going to see it coming when it happens. This is real. I chose real ones. Like people have fallen off skyscrapers doing this. People have been hit by trains doing this. People have died from wild animals doing this. Uh, people have drowned. That's the number one way, by the way, that they die from selfies is drowning. What a way to go. Just to get a picture to show somebody, look what I did. Look at how cool I am. Wow. The perils of pride. I like this one as it relates to the train. It says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. That's the message version of the popular one, right? Pride comes before fall, which is really a misquote. It's, it's not quite that, right? I want to give y'all a test. This one's kind of funny. Yeah, she had to get her selfie in. I want to give you a test. In case you're not convinced that pride is a thing that you deal with. You ready to take the test? It's just 10 questions. We're going to fly through them. The first one, what I want you to do is, y'all got, you know, fingers and toes. At least, you know, enough fingers and toes, I would think, to, to be able to do this. If you don't, just do it in your head. All right. Do you ever long for attention or wish to be noticed? Okay? I want you to count how many of these are yes for you. Okay? Keep up with it. Do you become jealous or critical of others when they succeed? Right? They got something going on that you wish you had going on. And you find yourself cheering against them because you really ought to be up there or you really ought to be in that position. And why did they get it and you didn't? If you've ever thought that way, that's one for you. Do you always have to win? This is an easy one for me, man. Yes. Yes. I have to win. Yeah. I don't, I mean, some of y'all will cheat at board games. You know? You'll cheat at some Monopoly deal because it's that deep. It's that deep. But some of y'all, it's a little more serious than a board game. Some of y'all get into an argument, and you're going to win at all costs. That's your goal. Your goal is not a solution to what you're arguing about. Your goal is to win. <coughs> Do you have a pattern of lying? Keep up with it. Uh, this one's kind of neat. Is it hard to admit that you're wrong? And I put this little chart here because I want this to help inform your answer. Okay? Because you might just take the first part and just be like, no, I don't have a problem with that. But listen to this. Have you ever said, I'm sorry, but it really wasn't my fault? I'm sorry, but you sure are sensitive. Why are you wearing your feelings on your shoulders? I'm sorry, but I can't help myself. I'm sorry, but society really kind of took its toll on me. It's really to blame. I'm sorry, but you should apologize first because you really started this. I'm sorry, but what did I do exactly? What kind of apology is that? You don't even know what you're saying you're sorry for? I'm sorry, but what's for dinner? <laughs> it's like, you're not serious. You're not really sorry. 
So answer that one. How about this one? <laughs> Do you have a lot of conflict in your life? Do you find yourself always at the center of conflict and wonder why everybody is always bringing the drama to you? Guess what? That's probably not the way it's going. If you're always in the center of it, guess what? You're probably bringing it to the party. I love that show. <laughs> I don't know why. It drives my wife nuts. She's like, why do they just argue about the same stuff all the time? I don't know, because we like to watch it, I guess. Do you cut in line? Now, there's a lot of lines you can cut in. There's traffic, like you see this guy, right? He is going all the way to the end before he decides to get over, and he's seen the arrows telling him for miles down the road that the road is closed ahead, and he waits and clogs up traffic just so he can get a few cars ahead than what he would have been. Here's another line for you, the buffet line. And there's only one nice, juicy piece of chicken left on there, and there's a little lady right behind you, and you're like, and you get it first. You were in line first. You didn't really cut in line, but I'm putting that on here. Okay, you ever took a little lady's piece of chicken? This is a yes for you. Here's another one. We're almost through this. I'm going to speed up. Do you get upset when your achievements are not acknowledged? When you don't get a pat on the back and you feel like you deserve one and you need to be acknowledged, somebody needs to call my name and say, they did this. Let me help out Matt Hernando a little bit so you don't have to be prideful, man. Give this man a round of applause. He works hard. There's a bunch of guys that do that. I just know Matt, and I like picking on him. But man, do you have to have that? Matt doesn't have to have that. He didn't ask me to do that. He never would. Number nine, do you have an attitude of entitlement? Now, I want all of you to think long and hard about this because your generation, this is what y'all's label is. This is what you're known for. This is your your hallmark, you know, like, is that the right word? I don't even know. But this is your thing. <laughs> you have an entitlement issue. Here's an indication. If you think you deserve to have your pizza on time, if you think you deserve for everyone to treat you with respect, if you think you deserve that your steak that you paid for with your hard-earned money needs to be cooked just right, if you think you deserve and have the right to those things, your answer is yes. And I'm telling you that you shouldn't have the right to those things. You don't deserve those things. Let me put it to you this way. Do you know what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 1? I believe it's verse 14. I don't have it on here. Go look it up, though. You can look it up now if you've got it on your phone. But Romans 1.14, do you know what he says? I'm pretty sure this is in some of the older translations. He uses the word, like the New American Standard probably has it, the King James, New King James. But he uses the word debtor. He says, I am a debtor to the Jews, I'm sorry, to the Greeks and to the non-Greeks. You know what that means? To everybody. And guess who he says owes him something? Nobody. He says, I owe everybody, and they owe me nothing. That's the proper attitude. You know what we're owed? We're owed one thing. 
death. Eternal condemnation. We are owed hell, but guess what we got? We got grace. We got an alternative. We got an option, a way out. We got a way into eternity to dwell with the one who is on high. But we got to deal with this pride problem to ensure we're going to be there with him. Last question. Have you thought this is a great lesson for someone else? At any point in time so far this morning, have you thought, I wish so-and-so, or I'm glad so-and-so is here? <laughs> then you count this one. All right, you added it up. Hold up in the air what you got. I want to see. Hold them up so I can look. It's going to take me a second. I'm just curious. Oh, you ain't got enough fingers? <laughs> that was his joke, not mine. I love this brother. I see some pretty good scores. I see some pretty awful scores. Do you know, does anybody want to know what the preacher's score is? Yeah. 27. 27. I counted three times just to make sure. Guys, what are the proudful in heart to God? An abomination. Detestable. Here's, here's the way you grade yourself. If you scored anywhere on the scale from 1 to 10, you're prideful. If you got a 0, you're really prideful, okay? I need some volunteers. Let's, let's get down to business here. I need two chairs and a volunteer. All right, I'm going to call him a wife just because that's preferential treatment. Yes, I'm biased. <clears throat> um, all right, now, I need, I need Mitch. No, 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 Mitch, that's not fair. That's not fair. Mitch, sit down, sit down. Um, all right, let's go. Um, you think you can take your daughter? All right, come on, daughter. Some more preferential treatment. All right. I kind of just want to not do what I'm planning and just see how this works. All right, sit down. Sit down. Um, I didn't think this through. You didn't get a table. You're going to have to use each other's knees, I guess. Oh, scoot that way, yeah. Here we go. There you go. Is that good, Matt? Cool. Use the what? There was there something we could use? This thing? All right, let's try that. All right, who y'all think's got this? All right, now, go ahead, line up, line up, line up. I'm left-handed. Left-handed. No, 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 we're going, we're going with the left hand. Yeah, we're going left hand, left hand. Sorry. What'd you say, Kaylin? Can y'all hear what she said? She said, I'm going to lose now. Now, now, if you were really, be honest with me, if you were a betting person and we were going to take bets, where would your money be? Why? Right? Mom's going to win, right? It's, 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 it's already slanted. She's left-handed. 
right? She's, she's older. She's got that mom force, you know, all those things going for her. But I want you to read this verse with me and think about this before they get down to business. James 4, verse 6. Come on, Mitch. Come on up here, Mitch. James 4, verse 6 in the ESV says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, Danielle was feeling really confident a minute ago and saying, I've got this. I'm going to win. We're going to put her into the proud category. Kayla, stand up, and God's got your back. Sit down. Hey, Kayla, come on, come on. you got to participate. Come over here and support him, you know. You get behind him, and I want you all to watch this, all right? Let's go left-handed. I'm sorry, Mitch. We're going to put you at the disadvantage. Now, Mitch... Listen, brother, that's my wife. She belongs to me. I can fix Listen it. to me. No, no, no. No, you don't know what I'm about to say. She's my wife. I give you permission. No. Okay? No. He thought I was going to go a different direction with that. I give you permission. I want you to show out. I want you to be God the way that God is when he's, not oppo when he's opposing the proud. Okay? I want you to oppose the proud. You be God on three. Y'all ready? Count with me. One, two. Three. Oh, mercy. Hold on, hold on. Now watch this. Now watch this. She wins. God's hand is not raised in victory. What does He do? He wins the victory for us. When we're humble. When we're weak. When we think, I ain't got a shot. You just don't know my past. Hold on, I've been wanting to do this since last night. You don't know my past. I wanted to do that. Now listen, I wish Brian was in here because he taught me two things that I need to add in my preaching. You clap when you get excited and you drop the rock at the right point and it worked. I mean, I was back there in the back like, go, Jesus, let's go, you know. I was pumped. I think I'm done with this illustration. Give them a round of applause. Man, wasn't Brian fired up last night? Man, I loved his heart. I appreciated his message. I don't know if he's here. Is he here? Okay, too bad. He'll hear the recording. I uh, wanted to brag on him a little bit and use his uh, nice, amazing tech. That was so fun. Okay, that's my last one. Do y'all hear that? Like, I hear that? That's amazing. All right, here we go. If I break it, I'll buy it. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, God opposes the, opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I was assigned to talk about prophets and kings. Now, do you know who some of the folks that struggle with pride the most are? Kings. Why? That position, man. That position. Those of you who have been in a leadership position, man, suddenly you get called into it, right? Oh, feels good, don't it? Man, I'm a leader now. Your chest comes out a little bit. You start speaking, you're terrible at it at first, <laughs> then you start getting better, you start dropping rocks, it starts happening for you, <laughs> right? 
And then suddenly your ego gets even more puffed up. And so much that your head has a hard time getting out the door to your car. Kings, man, some of the most prideful kings were these most powerful men. And I want to spend some time, we're going to spend time in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Um, One thing I failed to do, Matt, can we give someone a microphone? Um, I'm going to choose Dimitri just for the sake of time and let him read. Um, this passage for us before we move on. Is that one on? Thank you. All right, somebody hook him up with a Bible. Second Chronicles 26. All right, brother. You got it. Whole thing? Go. <clears throat> no long pauses either. We're in a hurry. Let's go. <laughs> then all the people of Judah took... Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in place of his father, Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Alath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah restored, uh, rested excuse me, with his ancestors. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. 16. Keep going. And he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father Amaziah had done. One of the few good kings. Keep going. He sought sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. He went to war against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, Jabna, and Ashdod. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs, who lived in Gerbel. <laughs> and why I again, had him read it. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and and the, uh, against the Manites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. Uzziah be- built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle of the wall, and he fortified them. He also built towers in the wilderness and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working his fields and vineyards and in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Isaiah had a well-trained army, ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers as mustered by Jael, the secretary, and, yeah, (laughs) Uh, Meaziah the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war, a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. Isaiah provided shields, spears, helmets, coats of armor, bows, and sling stones for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. I hope, just for a second, I hope you see, man, this guy is accomplishing some stuff. He is triumphing. He's taking over peoples. He's building new gadgets that make his army even more efficient at firing weapons. And I mean, this is just an amazing thing. Keep going, Dimitri. But after Isaiah became powerful, 
His pride led to his downfall. Say that sentence again, please. But after Isaiah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Keep going. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. They confronted King Isaiah and said, it is not right for you, Isaiah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Isaiah, who had a censer, censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. When he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. All right, that's good. Thank you. Really quickly, because I'm running out of time, I want you to understand what humility is. Humility is the solution, okay, to this pride problem that we've been looking at. We see this king doing so well. So well, for so long, and he accomplished so much. But then it says, it gets to that critical point, it says, but when he became powerful, then it went downhill because of his pride. And the solution, guys, if you're convicted that you are a prideful person, the solution is humility. And humility is a choice. It is something that you have to work on. It's something that you can get accomplished. C.S. Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So in other words, you don't have to think, woe is me, I'm no good for anything. And that's not humility. That's false humility. Everybody in here is capable of doing something amazing for God. It's not the same amazing, but it's amazing. Okay? So you don't think, of your, you don't think less of yourself. You think of yourself less. And you think more about Jesus and more about other people. And I'm going to fly through this. So that you don't leave with anything. It's going to come without any commentary at all. The five traits of the humble. Number one, the humble seek the Lord. You see this in the king when he was prospering. He sought God. And that's when God found favor with him. The second one. The humble listen to instruction. Some of y'all are so hard-headed that when your leaders talk to you or try to help you, you think you're, that they're your enemy. And they're not. Pride is your enemy, and you need to be quiet and listen to the people that love you. You see that in the text. It says Zechariah was that man for him. He was the great prophet, and he said he instructed him to fear the Lord. And this is when it was going great, when he was humble and listening. Thirdly, the trait of the humble. The humble don't plagiarize a gift. And you say, what in the world does that mean? Look at what he says, but when he was strong. He decided in his mind that he was the strength that accomplished it all. He claimed authorship on the gift. God gave it to him and he said, no, I did it. That's plagiarizing the gift. Tim Keller would say as much. He says, pride is a form of cosmic plagiarism, claiming to be the author of something that is actually a gift. Fourthly, write this down. I know we're going fast. The humble are faithful to the Lord. If you read the text in 2 Chronicles 26, 16, it says he was unfaithful to his God. And that's when it started going downhill. 
That's when he started serving in a, in a role that was not his. He was taking over someone else's role because he thought he was good enough to do it all. I can be the song leader, the preacher, the everything. I'll do my own sound. It's like Bugs Bunny playing baseball. I'll be the pitcher, the catcher, and the outfielder. No. Be faithful to the role and the gifts that God gave you. And don't trample on someone else's. What is your life, James argues. He says, you're just a mist. You're here for a little while and then you're gone. You just vanish. Man, we are so small. Jeremiah says something similar. He says, look, you're just clay in the potter's hands. You don't get to decide. Look, all this cultural mumbo-jumbo of you get to choose who you want to be. No, bro. You were created. He made you just the way he wants you. Now, your mind not, might not be processing why in the world he made you the way he made you, but he made you that way, and he made you. He's your creator. You don't call the shots the potter does. And if you start talking back to the potter, you know what the potter can do with the clay? Smash, start over. Listen, let God give you your identity. You're not the almighty ruler like Burger King says, like your world around you says. God is the almighty ruler. Let's let him identify us. And fifthly and lastly, the humble consider other people. And not just consider other people, they consider other people more than they consider themselves. When you walk into a room, do you think, I wonder if I'll have a seat? Or do you think, I hope that all the visitors that are here have a seat. I'll stand just to make sure. How do you think? Is it about you? Then you're still functioning in pride. Look at this. It says, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense, that was their job. He was inconsiderate of their job and what they were to do, and he took over because he was thinking only of himself. In 1 Peter 5, 5, I want you to notice this, and this is, I think, the last one, guys. And Carol goes, yes. Um, Likewise, you younger men of lesser rank and experience, be subject to your elders, seek their counsel. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Tie on the servant's apron. This is the Amplified, okay? For God is opposed to the proud. He's like, Mitch, arm wrestling my wife. He is opposed. He's not just not in favor of it. He is in direct opposition. He is now combating you when you're prideful. The disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats them, but he gives grace to the humble. Man, I encourage you. You got some questions. We went through that last part really fast, and that's my fault, okay? That's the lack of preparation and me focused on my own pride, I think. Um, working through this lesson. So I apologize for not the best lesson this morning and the best presentation. But the content is there. Go back, review your notes. If you have any questions, please let me know. I'll be happy to sit down and talk to you about it, okay? I love you guys. Thanks again.